Greetings, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. We find ourselves at a home now in Los Angeles, flown in with a great vacation of seven days, and uh, we just came home to f- fill up, have a pit stop, fill gas up, and keep going on vacation probably for another week or so. Headed in the other direction. Now we're going to the desert. We pray in Jesus' name. So welcome to today's podcast. Let us open with a moment of silence followed by the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome back to today's reading. Uh, we're going to be reading, uh, I'm going to be reading yesterday's reading, which is uh, October 28th and today the 29th of Limitless Love, which is our university on wheels. You know, this is the same thing that they teach you at the University of uh, Christian College. You go for four years. Uh, it's no different, folks. So we are learning it for free. I'm getting a benefit of reading it for myself, and you're having a benefit of listening and pondering for yourself. When God has a good time, this is by Gloria Copeland, Limitless Love. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yes, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Psalm thirty-five twenty-seven. Let the Lord be magnified which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Don't let, don't let anyone make you feel bad for stepping out in faith and believing for, for God to bless you. Don't let people put you down for standing on God's promises and looking to him to put food on your table, money in your bank account, and provide for you all that you need to do every good work He has called you to do. God isn't insulted by that. He isn't offended that you would expect that of Him. Other people might be, but He isn't. God is honored when you believe His word. He is pleased by it because your faith opens the door for Him to do good things for you. He loves you, so he takes pleasure in prospering you. I decided a long time ago that I wanted God to get plenty of enjoyment out of me. I decided I will keep on believing him for prosperity in every area of my life. That way he could have a really good time. He can. Of course, the devil has pressured me and tried to talk me out of it every step of the way. He's brought me circumstances and trials designed to make me doubt God's faithfulness and love. He's tried again and again to make me give up and quit. He'll do the same thing to you. Why? Because he knows that if he can't can't make you doubt the love of God and stop you from believing his promises, you'll end up with a testimony that will inspire faith in others, people around you. You will see God's love at work in your life and they'll start trusting him too.
Years ago, when I first read in the Bible that God would take care of me, it didn't look like I would ever be a threat to the devil. When I began to believe God for grocery money and other basics of life, I didn't know my fate would ha ever affect anyone but me. But in the years since, Ken and I have had the opportunity to tell thousands of people about God's love and faithfulness. We share the stories of what God has done and is still doing for us. Don't you know the devil hates that? But then, who cares what he thinks? God is the one who wants to pl please. God is the one we want to please. He is the one we love, and he loves to prosper us. So let's just keep on believing his word. Let's bless him by letting him bless us. That way we all have a wonderful time. You know, I read uh, last night as we... Uh, flown home with um, Hawaiian Airlines over here. I had the opportunity either to uh, to try to listen to a movie. I didn't see a movie I liked, so I read the book of Hebrews in Spanish. And that's what basically, that's just what it said. It said the devil's going to try to keep you from moving forward with God. The promises in the book of Hebrew were extraordinary. He says, uh, you know, it says that God will take care of you. God will provide for you. Don't fret. Uh, and then explain a lot that the enemy is going to try to talk you out of it. So those of us who have the Holy Spirit in us and we have the light of God in us, it's really easy for us to go forward on this. You know, if the word prosperity offends you, all it's saying is that the words you're listening to are taking root and are flying and are causing them to grow. That's all the word prosperity is. It's a word into um, produce, you know, planting seeds and taking a harvest. You know, if you say, uh, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant, you can send that to everyone around you and you yourself will get infected by those words and guess what's going to happen? Uh, the words of good are going to grow in your life. They're going to grow in my life. Let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Amen. You know, Hawaiian Airlines was just an amazing We've been maybe five, six times, five times in that airlines. Uh, but last night was a little different. Very high class. They had music playing in the background, the announcer, the, I guess it was the co-pilot that was coming on. It was very kind, very instructive, very helpful in their words. Uh, they played music as we were uh, coming out of the airplane, as we were waiting in there. Um, it was very pleasant. The, uh, the stewardess were up and down. And by the way, they do have uh, a special right now if you want to go to Hawaii. <laughs> they have a credit card if you use it because of COVID. If you use it on any purchase, you can go online and get it. Uh, if you use it for any purchase, they'll give you 60,000 miles, which is enough for a round trip for two, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what's well, that? What's not, it? not for two. You have to do the 80,000 miles in Okay. $4, no, that's to get another twenty thousand. Uh -huh. Right. Okay, but, but a total eighty eighty thousand miles. 
but you'll get, if you first purchase, you'll get 60,000 miles, even if it's 99 cents, correct? Right. And then you qualify for flight, right? Pretty much. 60,000 will get you, get you at least one round trip, maybe even one and a half. 60,000 will give you one round trip or oh, wow. one and a half to Hawaii. The way we did. So that's been our story. And we haven't, folks, what, what is our balance on our, on our cards right now? Um, on that one? Okay. How much do we owe? About 6,000 total. We owe 6,000 on a card? Not on one, no. With the Delta, your, your dentist bill? I was just asking how much does it cost us to go on use use the card? Oh, it's about uh, eight nineteen hundred. Nineteen hundred. Yeah. That's where we have in vacation costs. Oh. Never mind. Yeah. I don't know what's going on here. I'm not the accountant. My point was is that we don't go crazy with the yes, credit exactly. cards. That's, That's the correct. Point. That's what I was trying to get. It's kind of early. We only slept about three hours. I went to sleep at two thirty. I was up at six thirty. Four hours should be enough. What's the matter with me? Okay, the um, the point I'm making is, what's the web page, please? Um, Hawaiian HawaiianAirlines.com. www.hawaiianairlines.com. Yeah, HawaiianAirlines.com to provide for their card. Okay, let's keep on going on here. I thank you so much for your patience. Our next one is October 29th, Limitless Love and Glory Again. The best way to bless the Lord, she says. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Genesis 6 Five to six and eight and nine. New American Standard. Once you begin to understand how much God loves you, your love for Him will naturally increase. You'll want to give to Him and bless Him. You'll want to do all that you can to express your affection and gratitude to the One who has done so much for you. But what can you give to God, who is already the Creator and Possessor of everything? How can you bless the source of all blessings? You can walk with him by faith. You can be one of those rare people who honors him by believing what he says and stand fast on his word. And when it contradicts what it is seen in the natural world, despite the taunts of the devil and the criticism of skepticism, this person says, I believe my heavenly father, I have his word on and I will trust it no matter what happens. I will not let it go. That's the kind of man Noah was. When God told him a flood was coming and instructed him to build the ark, no one had ever seen rain before. The earth had always been watered from beneath. So when Noah began to preach about the coming floods and prepared it for by constructing the boat the size of a football field, no doubt people laughed at him. They probably made fun of crazy old Noah and labeled him a fanatic. Year after year went by and Noah kept building. There were probably no storm clouds in the sky either. No indication in the natural world that what God had said would ever come to pass. But Noah wasn't moved by that. 
he just kept believing and obeying God. The rest of the world was in the dark. But when the flood came, Noah and his family weren't in the dark. They were in the ark. <laughs> they weren't in the ark. Dark, they were in the ark. If you truly love the Lord, that's what the way you'll live. When you see something in his word, you obey it in faith. When you read, for example, that God loves a cheerful, generous, prompt to do or giver and rewards them with abundance, you won't stop giving just because your bank balance doesn't skyrocket overnight. You'll just keep acting on the word and trusting the Lord. You'll do it because you love him. You'll do it because you believe in him. You'll do it because you want to bless him. He appreciates it too. The Bible says his eyes go to and fro throughout the earth looking for someone like that. He found one in Noah and you'll truly love him. He will find one in you. And thank you very much for today's reading. God bless you. The blessings of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Go, trust in the Lord and prosper. Amen. Have faith in Christ Jesus. In him we put our confidence. That's what the book of Hebrews talked all about, is putting our confidence, our trust in Jesus, that he's our forerunner. He was tempted by the devil. He resisted. That's why we thank God when temptation comes because that means we surrender and we don't do it with our strength. God comes in and takes care of us. God comes in. You know, when we are weak, he is mighty and strong. So you just praise him, thank him. Even if you fail, you'll act like it was a good thing. You praise him and thank him. There's no remorse, no morbid reflection. Just follow directions. Praise and thank him for all situations. Take care now. I love you. Give him heaven. Thank you for coming to today's podcast. We're going to be reading October the 30th. Little black book, 24-hour book. Let's get right into it. Let's pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. It says... I had real friends where I had none before. My drinking companions could hardly be called my real friends. Though when drunk, we seemed to have the chosen kind of friendship. My idea of friendship has changed. Friends are no longer people whom I can use for my own pleasure or profit. Friends are now people who understand me and I them, whom I can help and who can help me to live a better life. I have learned not to hold back and wait for friends to come to me, but to go halfway and to be met halfway, openly and freely. Does friendship have a new meaning for me? Meditation for the day. There is a time for everything. We should learn to wait patiently until the right time comes. Easy does it. 
We waste our energies in trying to get things before we are ready to have them, before we have earned the right to receive them. A great lesson we have to learn is how to wait patient. We can believe that all of our lives is a preparation for something better to come when we have earned the right to do it. We can believe that God has a plan for our lives and that this plan will work out in the fullness of time. Prayer for the day. I pray that I may learn the lessons of waiting patiently. I pray that I may not expect things until I have earned the right to have them. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. You know, it kind of reminds me of a principle of going on vacation. You know, if you save money, say for instance $300 a month to go to Hawaii, you are a different person as versa you put it on credit or you did not earn it. Your spirit and your soul, they know you didn't earn it. They know you're living high in the hog. They know you're pushing the thing, trying to relax. You can't relax. That's why patience is so important. Meditating on something in the future, working hard for it, saving for it, and then enjoying it. I have had five experiences of going to Hawaii. Four of them weren't earned. One of them was earned. I saved 300 bucks, went to Hawaii, came back with money, had a wonderful time. $20 a cup of coffee? You bet. I am on vacation. Nothing would, I mean, nothing was too expensive. Everything was fine when I earned it. When I didn't earn it, I was a miser. You know, let's get some, uh, let's get some instant coffee at the grocery store and we'll save big on the money. Let me read this again. It says right here. There is a time for everything. We should learn to wait patiently until the right time comes. Easy does it. We waste our energies in trying to get things before we get ready to have them, before we have earned the right to receive them. A great lesson we can have to learn is how to wait with patience. We can believe that all of our lives is a preparation for something better to come when we have earned the right to it. We can believe that God has a plan for our lives and that this plan will work out in the fullness of time. Earning something is so valuable. I did not learn the lesson and I got into trouble throughout the years. I don't know if I will continue to learn it. I may continue to mess up. But that means I'm not going to stop trying, trying to figure this out. Yeah, trying to figure out the better way to skin the cat, better way to do things, the better way. One of the things I found out is, is not to sleep in, but to get up and get on after it. Has anybody experienced that? You know, but you got to go to sleep earlier, and you get some real good sleep if you sleep earlier. There's something about going to sleep before midnight, you know, two, three, four hours, then you're up and at them the next day. All right, let's see. Um, daily Reflections, October the 30th. Live and let live. That's my favorite saying. Okay, let's open this session with the third step prayer, okay? 
God, I offer myself to you to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Reading for today, October the 30th, like I said, Live and Let Live. One of my favorite uh, downloads, default settings. When I first came into Alcoholic Anonymous, these sayings saved my life. These sayings, I used them while I was out there. Not to become a control freak, let go and let God live and let live. First things first, but for the grace of God, I get another chance at life. Here we go, daily reflections. Never since it began has Alcoholic Anonymous been divided by a major controversial issue, nor has our fellowship ever publicly taken sides on any question in an embattled world. This, however, has been no earned virtue. It could almost be said that we were born with it. So long as we don't argue these matters privately, it is a cinch we will never shall publicly. 12 Steps of 12 Traditions. Never has Alcoholic Anonymous been divided by a major controversial issue like other organizations have, you know? throughout the years, even churches, organizations, leadership, and so forth. When you got me, uh, money, um, greed, uh, not allowing people to live and let live, not allowing other people to have the stage and, and say their heart without judging them, that's not AA, that's ego. So we do a good job of keeping that through the 12 traditions, staying on it, speaking up and protecting our recovery. Now, the daily reflections goes on to say, do I remember that I have a right to my opinion, but that others don't have to share it? That's the spirit of live and let live. Okay? Do I remember that I have a right to my opinion, but that others don't have to share it. That's the spirit of live and let live. The surrendering prayer remind me, with God's help, to accept the things I cannot change. I'm still trying to change others. When it comes to courage to change the things I can, do I remember that my opinions are mine and yours are yours? <clears throat> Am I still afraid to be me? When it comes to wisdom to know the difference, <clears throat> do I remember that my opinions come from my experience? If I have a known-it-all attitude, aren't I being deliberately controversial? I must let people, or people must let me be where I'm at, emotionally, physically, mentally, financially, socially, without judgment. Let's live and let live. All right, our next reading for today would be From Faith to Faith by Kenny Copeland. Let's go ahead and pray the seven-step prayer, please. 
my creator. I am now willing that he should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you not remove from me every single defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. October the 30th. It's your decision by Kenny Copeland. And behold, these come at one out of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lied at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him. Mark 5, 22 and 24. I wonder when God is going to do something about this problem. Have you ever asked this question? That question? If so, you may be surprised to find out that the answer depends 100% on you. There's an incident in Mark 5 that will show you what I mean. Jesus had just gotten out of the boat and people were pressing all around him, thronging him, it says. They had him shoved up against the shoreline when suddenly there came a man moving through the crowd to get to Jesus. Throwing himself at Jesus' feet, Mark records, he prayed and beseeches him greatly, saying, My little girl lied at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her. Then she shall live. Think about this situation for a moment. Here's a man who politically on the level of the mayor of the city, but he's so doggedly determined to get to Jesus that he fights his way through the crowd and clears out enough room to fall at Jesus' feet. He makes a decision, and when he gets to Jesus, he says exactly what it is. Lay your hands on her, and she shall live. Let me ask you something. Who do you think is directing the ministry of Jesus here? This one man, a man who made a decision, when he speaks that decision out, Jesus doesn't say anything. He just stops what he's saying, turns around, and follows him. In a crowd of literally thousands, the fate decision of one man is directing the actions of Jesus. What does that mean to you? It means that if you're sitting around waiting for Jesus to decide to heal you, or someone else, for Jesus to decide to help you, or someone else, for Jesus to decide to prosper you and give you victory, or someone else, you're in for a long wait, because that's not Jesus' decision. It's yours. I wonder when God is going to do something about this problem. Have you ever asked that question? If so, you may be surprised to find the answer depends 100% on you. I'm Fernando. I am recovery. I'm recovery from the onslaught of Satan's tactics. And Jesus saved me. <clears throat> I asked, cried out to Jesus to help me. He came into my heart after nine months of Alcoholic Anonymous, after clearing the ground. I think God was doing clearing the ground for nine months. 
making me aware of what was important in life and get rid of devils inside me by going to meetings and stopping drinking. Then I was sober enough to say yes for another decision. You know, we go from strength to strength, from revelation to revelation, from spiritual awakening to spiritual awakening. I probably already had Jesus in my heart as a child, like a lot of us do, but we don't know how to use. So I said, Jesus, thank you for laying your hand on me and fixing me up. I'm good to go. I am ready for the battle. I am ready for service. Is that a faith statement that Jesus can easily empower and touch? Jesus, what can I do for you? I got everything I need. I got gas in the car. I'm, I'm fully clothed in my right mind. I'm dressed five in the morning. I'm ready to go, Lord. How can I bless my family and heal them and, and prosper them and help them? Jesus, I put them in your hands. Thank you for fixing them. Thank you for restoring them. Thank you for making them brand new. Thank you for educating them, teaching them like you did me. I am fixed. Fixed to be of service. Fixed to laugh. Fixed to enjoy one day at a time. I am fixed and ready that all things are possible with God. I have nothing missing, nothing broken. All is well in Jesus' name. All is well. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the uh, that we keep crying for what we need and we keep needing what we cry for. Isn't that something? I kept crying for Jesus to fix me and all I had to say, say by faith, I am fixed and Jesus put a, paid attention to my faith. I am rich, and Jesus paid attention to my faith. You got I have to feel it in the heart as a truth before it's outwardly manifested. And all my crying, all my sacrifice, all my pleading, all my laziness, really, all my watching stuff that I shouldn't be watching, staying up late, not doing what God tells me to do, read His Word, and I want to be qualified. I want to blame God. You owe me. It's God's fault. I am mad at God. I am mad at my parents. I hate my parents. I'm mad at God. That's when we get, we, we we gotten too many benefits and it's gone wrong. All right. Moving right along. Let's go ahead and do... Uh, Let's do the Lord's Prayer, please. Be our Father. Who woke us up this morning? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, reading for today is Limitless Love by Gloria Copeland. Our scripture is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 to 31 from the New American Standard. The title is Losing Sight of Ourselves. But God has chosen the foolish things in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despise God has chosen. The things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. So that no man may boast before God, but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 31. You know, this is such an important verse that we need to see it in uh, quickly in other translations. So let me go ahead and bring it up real fast. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 31. Uh, I myself think that this is the culprit for me in all failure. It's, not, it's because God has given me, an, all of us, an abundance of self-preservation. And these tools he's given us just happen to be uh, selfishness, anger, pride, ego. I believe they're all mechanisms, indifference, used or wrong. You know, they have a good purpose, people. But we use them wrong. Like, for instance, indifference. I should be indifferent to the devil and the devil's tactics to try to make me lazy or take a drink or take a drug or go somewhere, I need to be indifferent to them, right? If he's persistent, then I need to get angry. And then I used to get, use my pride that, no, I, I am not going to the slissy bar or that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay home and read the Word of God. What do you think? How about uh, ego? Use ego to uh, protect yourself. It makes sense to me, you know, instead of trying to blast ego out of the water, out of your system, that I thank you, God, for my ego. I thank you for my pride. I thank you for my selfishness. I thank you, God, for my anger. I thank you for my indifference. You know, if your life is not working to this point, why don't you try it? What do you got to lose? You slopped it up so bad already. We have. What's, what's the problem of uh, removing pride and self-sufficiency out of the way? I thought you said you were surrendered. I thought you said that you'd done the third step. You're giving your life and your will over to the care of God as He may. Maybe the problem is now we don't understand how He works. I don't. Okay, now I'm going to read it in the Amplified Bible. First uh, Corinthians 1, 27-31, and that says... But God has selected for his purpose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise 
revealing their ignorance. And God has selected for his purpose the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, revealing their frailty. God has selected for his purpose the insignificant base things of the world and the things that are despised and treated with contempt, even that things that are nothing, so that he might reduce to nothing the things that are, so that no one may be able to boast in the presence of God, but it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, revealing his plan of salvation and righteousness, making us acceptable to God and sanctification, making us holy and setting us apart for God and redemption, providing our ransom for the penalty of sin. And so then it is written in scripture, he who boasts and glories, let him boast and glory in the Lord. Do you see that? My alcoholism, my drug, my, my anger, my stealing and all that has a tendency to, it didn't happen. It happened, folks. I was not in my right mind. The alcohol needed to, to bring me down to a point of surrender where I needed Jesus. I needed help. I cried out to God, and he helped me. So now I need to boast and glorify in him. You know, I don't really know how to do it, and I get caught a lot of times in saying it's my work. It's one of the reasons I like the book of Alcoholic Anonymous, a big book where it says his success is really, no, our success is really his success. The success we're having is God's success. We are good at boasting and glorifying our God in AA. We boast and glory in the Lord. A lot of us are good on it. Now, I don't know where the uh, indicator line is. But I certainly do. They say when a man is uh, praised, he is tested like silver and gold is fired up in the furnace. You know, a, a quick thank you, God help me, is, uh, is a so sober, aware situation. Thank you, God help me. And people will fight you tooth and nail. You go to college, oh, you did this, you did that, no, but you did it, but it would have happened anyway, blah, 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 blah. I love you. Okay, let's go ahead and, and find out what Kenny Copeland's, or Gloria, excuse me, is saying over this. Again, she says, most people think the opposite of love is hate. But it might be just as accurate to say that the opposite of love is selfishness. Love causes us to focus on others. Selfishness causes us to focus on ourselves. That's why the very thing we must do to successfully walk in love is to stop looking at ourselves and start looking at God. We must cease being self-centered and start being God-centered. We must give up self-confidence and gain God confidence instead. Actually, it is a great relief just to admit that what the Bible says about us is true. On our own, we're nothing. We are weak, foolish, and base. What's more, 
That's why God called us. He likes to take people who are incapable of doing anything worthwhile on their own and enable them to do great things by His power. He likes to take ordinary earthen vessels and display His glory in them. How does He do that? He makes us new creatures in Christ Jesus. He gives us His righteousness, holiness, wisdom, and abilities. He puts His own Spirit inside of us. So instead of looking to ourselves, we can depend on the greater one who dwells within us. In the process, we lose sight of ourselves. Insecurity and self-consciousness become a thing of the past. We discover it doesn't really matter what we are. It doesn't matter how smart or talented we are. We just keep our eyes on Jesus, knowing that by His Spirit, he will give us the ability to do whatever God tells us to do. As we start centering our lives around God, we automatically stop focusing on what pleases us and start focusing instead on what pleases Him. We won't spend our time thinking, what do I want? What will make me happy? We will be seeking the Lord to find out what He wants to do will be concerned only about what makes him happy. You know, before I even tell you what that is, it's love. When our lives become God-centered instead of self-centered, our primary purpose will be to live the life of love, not in our own power and ability, but in his, in his power and his ability. We'll stop worrying about ourselves and let our weaknesses be transformed by his strength. Then we'll give all the glory to him. Amen. Hallelujah. And that was Gloria Copeland, my folks, my friends. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll be right back. From bondage. Yes, sir. Reading from page 544, Freedom from Bondage. Young, when she joined this AA, believes her serious drinking was the result of even deeper defects. She here tells how she was set free. Let's go ahead and pray the uh, serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Can we take a page each or what? We take a couple paragraphs? Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Two, three paragraphs. That'd be great. Let me go ahead and say the set aside prayer, please. Okay. Lord, Lord, help me to set aside everything I think I know about you, everything I think I know about myself, everything I think I know about others, and everything I think I know about recovery, my own. For a new experience in you, Lord, for a new experience in myself, for a new experience in my fellow man, and a much-needed experience in my recovery, in Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. I love that prayer. Okay, we'll go ahead and start with um, 544. <laughs> Freedom from bondage. The mental twist that had led up to my drinking began many years before I ever took a drink. 
for I am one of those whose history proves conclusively that my drinking was a symptom of a deeper trouble. Through my efforts to get down to cause and, and conditions, I stand convinced that my emotion, my emotional illness has been pres present from my earliest recollection. I never did react normally to any emotional situation. The medical profession would probably tell me I was conditioned for alcoholism by the things that happened to me in my childhood, and I am sure they would be right as far as they go. But AA has taught me I am the result of the way I reacted to what happened to me as a child. What is much more important to me, AA has taught me that through this simple program, I may experience a change in this reaction pattern that will indeed allow me to match calamity with serenity. Go ahead, Kimberly. <clears throat> I am an only child, and when I was seven years old, my parents separated very abruptly, no explanation at all. I was taken from my home in Florida to my grandparents' home in Midwest. My mother went to a nearby city to work, and my father, being alcoholic, simply went. My grandparents were strangers to me, and I remember being lonely, terrified, and hurt. In time, I concluded that the reason I was hurt was because I loved my parents, and I concluded, too, that if I never allowed myself to love anybody or anything, I could never be hurt again. It became second nature for me to remove myself from anything or anybody I found myself growing fond of. I grew up believing that one had to be totally self-sufficient for one never dared to depend on another human being. I thought that life was a pretty simple thing. You simply made a plan for your life based upon what you wanted, and then you needed only the courage to go after it. <clears throat> In my late teens, I became aware of emotions I'd not counted on. Restlessness, anxiety, fear, and insecurity. The only kind of security I knew anything about at that time was material security. And I decided that all these intruders would vanish immediately if I only had a lot of money. The solution seemed very simple. With cold calculation, I set about to marry a fortune, and I did. Uh, the only thing that changed, however, was my surroundings. And it was soon apparent that I could have the same uncomfortable emotions with an unlimited checking account that I could own a working girl's salary. It wasn't possible for me to say at this point, maybe there is something wrong with my philosophy. And I certainly couldn't say, maybe there is something wrong with me. It was not difficult to convince myself that my unhappiness was the fault of the man I had married and I divorced him at the end of a year. I was married and divorced again before I was 23 years old. <clears throat> at the time I was uh, promoted a band leader and whom many women uh, wanted, I thought the world would give me ego strength and give let me feel what, what let me feel wanted and secure and after elevated my fears uh, but not but again nothing changed my uh, inside of me 
the only importance of what uh, uh, in all of this lies in fact that twenty uh, at twenty three, I was I was just sick and I was thirty three when I came in, into AA. But at the time, I, I apparently had place had no place to go because I had no drinking problem. I had been unable I've been able to explain a psychiatrist of the feelings of infertility of loneliness and lack of purpose uh, that had come into into my deep sense of personal failure and and at the second divorce I sincerely doubt that a good doctor could uh, have convinced of me of my basic problems it was a spiritual hunger but AA showed me that this is the truth and that I've been able to turn the church of, at, the, at the time. Uh, may, may, uh, I'm sure they could not have convinced me of sickness and what was within myself, nor could I have uh, shown me the, the need for self-analysis that AA has shown me a vital, uh, if I am able to survive. So I had to place, I had no place to go, or it seemed like, to, I mean, or it seemed to me, uh, where am I? I lost my place. Oh. I wasn't afraid of anything by, or anybody. After I learned about drinking in a second, and it seemed like the right of uh, being the, that that the liquor I could always retire and to my little private world uh, where nobody could get out get at me to hurt me it seems only fitting that I would be that 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 it did my finally fall in love it was with alcohol or with an alcoholic I'm sorry uh, in the next the next ten years, I progressed rapidly and hum, as a humbly possible into into what I believe the hope, hopelessness of alcoholism. Amen. During this time, our country was at war. My husband was soon in uniform and among the first to go overseas. My reaction to this was identical in many respects. To my reactions to my parents leaving me when I was in I was seven. Apparently I grown physically at the customary rate of speed and I had acquired an average amount of intellect training in the intervening years. But three but there had been no more emotional maturity at all. I realize now that this phase of my development had been arrested by my obsession with self and my egocentricity had reached such proportions that adjustments to anything outside my personal control was impossible for me. I was immersed in self-pity and resentment, and the only people who would support this attitude or who I felt understood me at all were the people I met in bars and the ones who drank as I did. It became more and more necessary to escape from myself for my remorse and shame and humility when I was sober where almost unbearable. When I was sober, were almost unbearable. The only way existence was possible was through rationalizing every sober moment and drinking myself into complete oblivion, oblivion 
as often as I could. My husband had vision to return, but it was not long until we realized we could not continue our marriage. By this time, I was such a past master at kidding myself that I had convinced myself I had set out a war and waited for this man to come home. And as my resentment and self-pity grew, so did my alcoholic problem. Pass. Okay, where did Rick go? Oh, he'll be back. Uh, 247. Oh, the last three years. Okay, the last three years of my drinking, I drank on my job. The amount of willpower exercised to control my drinking during working hours diverted into a constructive channel. Would have made me president, and the thing that made the willpower possible was the knowledge that as soon as my day was finished, I could drink myself into oblivion. <clears throat> Inside, though, I was scared to death, for I knew that the time was coming, and it couldn't be too remote, when I would be unable to hold that job. Maybe I wouldn't be able to hold any job, or maybe, and this was my greatest fear, I wouldn't care whether I had a job or not. I knew it didn't make any difference where I started. The inevitable end would be skid row. The only reality I was able to face had been forced upon me by its very repetition. I had to drink, and I didn't know there was anything in the world that could be done about it. At this time, I met a man who had three motherless children, and it seemed that might be a solution to my problem. I never had never had a child. And this had been a satisfactory excuse many times for my drinking. It seemed logical to me that if I married this man and took the responsibility for these children, that they would keep me sober. So I married again. This caused a comment from one of my AA friends when I told my story after coming to the program that I'd always been a cinch for the program, for I'd always been interested in mankind. I was just taking them one man at a time. Children kept me sober for darn near three weeks, and then it went on, please God, my last drunk. I've heard it said many times in AA, there is just one good drunk in every alcoholic's life, and that's the one that brings us into AA. Um, and... I believe it. I was drunk for 60 days around the clock, and it was my intention literally to drink myself to death. I went to jail for the second time during this period for being drunk in an automobile. I was the only person I'd ever known personally who had ever been in jail, and I guess it was it is most significant that the second time was less humiliating than the first had been. I guess Rick couldn't make it back here. Okay, pass. Yeah, I guess. I hope I didn't interrupt him. Did I interrupt him? No, I don't think so. I thought he was done. Hopefully he had an emergency or his phone died out. Finally, in desperation, my family appealed to a doctor for advice, and he suggested AA. The people who came knew immediately I was in no condition to absorb anything in the program. I was put in a 
sanitarium to be defogged so that I could make a sober decision about this for myself. It was here that I realized that for the first time that as a practicing alcoholic, I had no rights. Society can do anything it chooses to do with me when I am drunk, and I can't lift a finger to stop it. For I forfeited my rights through the simple expedition of becoming a menace to myself and to the people around me. With deep shame came the knowledge, too, that I had lived with no sense of social obligation, nor had I known the meaning of moral responsibility to my fellow man. I attended my first meeting eight years ago, and it was with deep gratitude that I am able to say I had not had a drink since that time, and that I take no sedation or narcotics. For this program is to me one of complete sobriety. I no longer need to escape reality. One of the truly great things AA has taught me is that reality too has two sides. I had only known the grim side before the program, but now I had a chance to learn about the pleasant side as well. The AA members who sponsor me told me in the beginning that I would not only find a way to live without having to drink, but that I would find a way to live without wanting to drink. If I would do these simple things, they said, if you want to know how this program works, take the first word of your question. The H is for loneliness. The O is for open-mindedness. And the W is for willingness. This is our big book. This is what our big book calls, these are our big book calls the essentials of recovery. They suggest that I study the AA book and try to take the 12 states according to the explanations in the book. For it was their opinion that the applications of these principles in our daily lives will get us sober and keep us, keep us sober. I believe this and I believe too that it, it is equally important to practice these principles to the best of our ability a day at a time, and still drink, for I don't think the two things are compatible. Excuse me, let me read that again. I believe this, and I believe that too, that it is equally impossible to practice these principles to the best of our ability a day at a time and still drink, for I don't think the two things are compatible. Pass. I've lost my place. Uh, 550, first paragraph. Okay. Yeah, my eye, I had to rest my eye. I had no problem admitting I was powerless over alcohol. And I certainly agreed that my life had become unmanageable. I had only to reflect on the contrast between the plans I made so many years ago for my life with what really happened to know I couldn't manage my life drunk or sober. AA taught me that willingness to believe was enough for a beginning. It's been true in my case, nor could I quarrel with restore us to sanity. <clears throat> for my actions, drunk or sober, before AA were not those of a sane person. My desire to be honest with myself made it necessary for me to realize that my thinking was irrational. It had to be, or I could not have justified my erratic behavior as I did. I've been benefited from a dictionary definition I found that reads, rationalization is giving a socially acceptable reason 
for socially unacceptable behavior and socially unacceptable behavior is a form of insanity. AA has given me serenity of purpose and the opportunity to be of service to God and to the people about me. And I am serene in the infallibility of these principles that provide the fulfillment of my purpose. Go ahead, I'm gonna grab my eye drops, I'm listening. Go ahead. Okay, AA has taught me that I will have peace of mind in exact proportion to the peace of mind I bring into the lives of other people. And it has taught me the true meaning of the admonition, happy are you who know these things and do them. For the only problems I have now are those I create when I break out in rash of self-will. I have many spiritual experiences since. I've been in the program many that I didn't recognize right away. For I am slow to learn, and they take many guesses, guises. But one, one was so outstanding that I like to pass it on whenever I can in the hope that it will help someone else. It has me, as it has. As I said earlier, self-pity and resentment were my constant companions. My inventory began to look like a 33-year-old diary, for I seemed to have a resentment against everybody I had ever known. All but one respond to the treatment suggested in the step immediately. But this one posed a problem. This resentment was against my mother, and it was 25 years old. I have fed it, fanned it, and nurtured it as one might a delicate child. And it had become as much part of me as my breathing. It had provided me with excuses for my lack of education, my marital failures, personal failures, inadequacy, and, of course, my alcoholism. And though I really thought I had been willing to take part with it, now I knew I was reluctant to let it go. One morning, however, I realized I had to get rid of it for my reprieve was running out and I didn't get rid of it. If I didn't get rid of it, I was going to get drunk and I didn't want to get drunk anymore. And my prayers that morning, I asked God to point out to me some way to be free of this resentment. During the day, a friend of mine brought me some magazines to take, uh, to take to a hospital group I was interested in. I looked through them. A banner across one feature, an article by a prominent clergyman in which I caught the word resentment. Go ahead. I pass. He said, in effect, if you have a resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for the person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. If you will ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their health, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free. Even when you don't really want it for them, and your prayers are only words and you don't mean it, go ahead and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks and you will find you have come to mean it and to want it for them. And you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding, and love. It worked for me then. It has worked for me many times since. And it will work for me every time I'm willing to work it. Sometimes I have to ask first for the willingness, but it too always comes. And because it works for me, it will work for all of us. As another great man says, the only real freedom a human being can ever know is doing what you ought to do because you want to do it. This great experience that released me from the bondage of hatred and replaced it with love is really just another affirmation of the truth I know. 
I get everything I need in Alcoholics Anonymous, and everything I need, I get. And when I get what I need, I invariably find that it was just what I wanted all the time. The end. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, let's go ahead and start our commenting. Um, I really enjoyed this reading of the... Uh, it says where, where she says that uh, the psychiatrist told him that... Uh, because that way she grew up, that's the way she was. But AA told her the truth. It was how she responded to these situations. Because you have a litter of individuals growing up in the same family. And and I kind of responded both ways. I responded, what about me? What about me? And then I was helpful. I was helpful. You know, so I kind of had two mixtures together growing up in an alcoholic home. <clears throat> and my mom not knowing how she was going to put uh, bread and butter in the table or beans and rice. Uh, <clears throat> I wish, amen. So it was pretty crazy where I grew up. And uh, What it, page are you on? Oh, I was on uh, page 546 where it says, okay. and the only importance in all this lies in the fact that at 23, I was just as sick as I was at 33. When I oh, came yeah. into AA. <clears throat> but at that yeah. time, I apparently had no place to go because I had no drinking problem. Had I been able to explain to a psychiatrist the feeling of futility, loneliness, and lack of purpose mm. that had come with my deep sense of personal failure at this second divorce, I seriously doubt, here it is, this is the part of like, I seriously doubt that the good doctor could have convinced me that my basic problem was a spiritual hunger. But AA has shown me this was the truth. I'm sure they could not convince me of my sickness was within myself, nor could they have shown me that the need for self-analysis. AA has shown me is what is vital if I am to survive. So I had no, I like that. I had no place to go or it seemed to me. And that was my conclusion too. I had no place to go. What do you, that DN. Okay. I'm Kimberly, I'm an alcoholic, and you know, I say, uh, later she had said something that her uh, diary looked like, a, or her inventory looked like a 30-year-old diary or something. I don't know what page that was on, but uh -huh. that reminded me, you know, I had, um, I know several, like, 40, 50 pages on my first one. People don't have to do that, though. If they can't do that, there's a shorter way to do it. You can get through. My dad did a shorter, a much shorter one, and he was fine. But some some people have to express themselves a lot more, and that's all right. But you can always, you know, go back and do another one in six months. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why I'm saying that. I just had always, you know, kind of been concerned that people get upset about having to do that inventory. And, it, you know, it shows that uh, she was... You know, but she doesn't go on to say what happened. I don't think she says what happened to the marriage and all that stuff. But, you know, you get the point that she had a significant amount of, um, um, oh, here we go. I've been on 551. I've had many spiritual experiences since I've been in the program, many that I didn't recognize right away. For I'm slow to learn, and they take many guises. 
but one was so outstanding that I like to pass it on when I can and hope that it'll help. And so that's interesting is that she said, since I, uh, I've had many spiritual experiences since I've been in the program, and I can relate to that too. I've had uh, many of them, and you know, I really ought to write them out. Um, I, I got a brand new journal with the cute pages on it to start to keep track of the service that I'm doing um, beyond my, uh, well, you know, AA saved my life a couple times. So I, I do have a, a repayment to AA that when I had gotten resentful, resentful a couple months ago, I felt, you know, I don't want to go back and be hurt by these people. And I just can't do that. I got to get well. I got to take care of myself and yada, yada. But the bottom line is, you know, once you get feeling well enough, you really do have to get back in and start uh, making a contribution. And uh, that's the reason I go in and share my experience, strength, and hope as much as I can. And then I come back here. You know, I don't have to come back and read this over and over again. I, I pretty much know it by heart. I know all. But I'm making a contribution, see? And it's also teaching me, you know, I've been coming here two, three days a week now, and I make a, a commitment to do that. And I, I got to tell you, you know, if I look back on my history, too, the only thing I've ever done for the for a real length of time has been Alcoholics Anonymous. That's the longest thing I did. You know, I did relapse after 15 years, which was a nightmare. Um, but, you know, some I, I don't feel bad about that now. I, for a while I had a lot of shame about it, but now I understand why more about myself here, you know, and my, my um, some of us just have some, so much more mental uh issues then then we just won't and then also you know i thought about myself just won't listen and do what do what was requ what required of me and um you know that in concert with the things that happened in my job and life and i'm just going on and on here but my point was that mainly to say that you know these things that happened to us in aa that that uh you know we hear a lot of drunkologues in aa and we also need to hear about the spiritual experience with people I believe more or just as much, you know, they talk about, you know, share in a general way, what it was like, what used to be like, what happened and what it's like now, just generally. And, uh, you know, not to do too much depth, but people do, they, they, because that's their personal thing. They want to want to forget what it was like. I know what it was like and I know what it was like for you and everybody else. I, I heard enough nightmares, but, um, you know, I'm also learning that other people have a program they work on their own. And uh, other people have, uh, says, spiritual experience. She has many spiritual experiences. I'd like to hear what those were for her. Those are in our book called Came to Believe, too. Somebody was reading that at a meeting last night. Good book. Thanks for letting me share. Yeah, I have that book um, for the alcoholic Came to Believe. As a matter of fact, I have about 12 of them, and we use them for... <laughs> Uh, we used to use them when we ran a, uh, a meeting with those books. Then uh, extremely deep spiritually spiritual experiences. Amen. So our AA has given me a new pair of glasses. I, uh, I again I can see that uh, I am a thousand times better today, uh, mentally, physically, and emotionally, because of these words. I like what she says that uh, these words are not compatible with drinking. You know, if you're honestly applying this, these, this program, these words, 
uh, they don't mix together. You know, everyone has said a head full of AA and a mouth, a stomach full of alcohol, they don't mix, you know. What page is that? Uh, let me see. Um, I don't know, I lost it. I'm kind of... Uh, oh, right here, page 550, the top, it says, uh, where, where it says, and I believe, too, that it is equally impossible, right before the first paragraph, I believe this, and I believe, too, that it is equally impossible to practice these principles to the best of our ability at day at a time and still drink, but I don't think the two things are compatible. You know, that's when she's saying the how. She said, uh... She's drinking that acronym, I believe. She's saying, uh, they said that if you want to know how this program works, take the first word of your question, how. The H is for honesty. The O is for open-mindedness. And the W is for willingness. These are big book calls the essentials of recovery. They suggested that I study the AA book and try to take the 12 steps according to the explanation of this book, for it was their opinion that the application of these principles in our daily lives will get us sober and keep us sober. Amen. I love it. You see it? Yes, I do. I highlighted that. Amen. So I want to thank you very much uh, for coming in today. That's 30 minutes of today's reading of page 544 in the AA Big Book, Freedom from Bondage, where we can get rid of resentments through prayer. Any parting thoughts? No, pretty much just, um, you know, I think having had, you know, Setting aside in that set-aside prayer, setting aside what I think I know. And then, you know, I like that, um, that open, you talked about in HOW, the open mind. Um, it's just that, you know, this, I, honesty too. Honestly, I could have been more open-minded, even in, and because I think about how well I've done and how hard I tried, and I really did. But we don't see, we don't like to look at ourselves always. We don't like to look at our mistakes and our deficiencies. And yet the, the um, what do you call that? Uh, not a paradigm. Uh, we don't like to look at our deficiencies, but, but we beat ourselves up a lot. Right. Now, now that doesn't make any sense, does it? No, but we do. We, uh, for some reason, we are alcoholics we... are very, very hard on ourselves. And, and so that we don't want to look at our deficiencies that will give us freedom from them because they can be removed, like we said, root and branch. Well, root and, yeah. Uh, and so it's a strange disease, you know, I mean... I'm giving a way out, but yet I just don't, you know, tell me what to do, you know? I mean, it's a, it's a sad, sad uh, a disease, you know, and it, it talks about that in our 12 and 12 defiance is the outstanding, is an outstanding characteristic of an alcoholic, and it is so true. Uh, we want to do it our way, and, 
I have a lot of that in me. I have to be honest with you there. And I, it, it comes from fear, right? I mean, fear that I'm going to be hurt again. And so I'm working as hard as I can to get rid of those fears and do, do everything I'm supposed to do. But, you know, you can't, you can't milk blood out of a turnip. We can only evolve at the rate that we evolve, really. Can't, you know, I mean, God can give us a lot, a lot. But he also wants us to learn from these things that we, we're here from. We hear, you know, I think you said that before, haven't you? That God wants us to learn. And I see we have less than one minute here. All right, well, let's go ahead and, amen. God wants us to learn and keep learning. Thank you. Very good. That's very good parting thoughts. Let's pray the uh, serenity prayer, please, again. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Keep coming back. It works if you work. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Welcome to today's reading. Welcome. Let's go ahead and get started. We're reading the King James Bible. We're trying to, Well, we are about to put the whole book of John together, and we're reading one chapter at a time as the days go by. Whenever I get a chance, I remember what chapter I'm in, and then I go ahead and read it. King James, chapter 11 of John. Now, a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, the whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days till in the same place where he was. Then after that said to his disciples, let us go into Judah again. His disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and go thou tither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he sees the light of the world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things he said he, and after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleeps, he shall do well. Albeit Jesus spoke in his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sake that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called 
Didymus unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave for four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been there, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had said so, said she went away. She went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and called it for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself coming to the grave, it was a cave and a stone laid upon it. Jesus said, Take you away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead for ye days. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou wouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he does had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. 
And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. The many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. They gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees of council and said, What do we do? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both of them, both our place and nation. And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, You know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us the one man should die for the people and the whole nation perished not. And this spoke he not of himself, but being high priest, that year he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but that also he should gather together in, in one of the children of God that were scattered abroad. And not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Then from that day forth they took counsel together for to put him to death. Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews, but went thence into a country near to the wilderness into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. And the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then sought they for Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What think you that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it that they might take him. Reading the words of Proverbs, King James Version, for October the 30th, or the 30th, the words of Agur, the son of Jekai, even the prophecy. The man spoke unto Ethel, and even unto Ethel and Ukal, Surely I am more brutish than any man, and have not the understanding of a man. I neither learn wisdom nor have the knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended up into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? If thou canst tell me. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. 
Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Accuse not a servant unto his master, lest he curse thee, and thou be found guilty. There is a generation that curseth their father, and does not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation of how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth are knives to devour the poor from the earth and the needy from among men. Though Horsley's has two daughters crying, Give, give, there are three things that are never satisfied. Yeah, four things say not enough. It is enough. The grave and the barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water, and the fire that say it, it is enough. The eye that mocketh at his father and despised to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young shall eat it. There be three things which are too wonderful for me, yeah, four which I know not. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent upon a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. Such is the way of an adulterous woman, she eat it and wipe it her mouth and say it, I have done no wickedness. For three things the earth is disquieted, disquieted, and for four which it cannot bear. For a servant when he reigneth, when a fool when he is filled with meat, for an odious woman when she is married, and an handmaid that is heir to her mistress. There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. The coonies are but a feeble folk, yet make their houses on the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet they go forth, all of them by hands. The spider takes hold with her hands and is in king palaces. There be three things which go well. Yeah, four are comely and going. A lion which is strong among beasts and turning not away from any. A greyhound and a he-goat also. And a king against whom there is no rising up. If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast thought evil, let thy hand upon thy mouth. Surely the churning of milk brings forth butter, and the wringing of the nose brings forth blood. For the forcing of wrath bring forth strife. Now we're going to read Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the ferment of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the posture in the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. 
Praise you, the Lord. Psalm 120. In my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given unto thee, or what shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue? Sharp arrows of the mighty with coals of juniper. Woe is me that I sojourn in Massage, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. My soul hath long dwelt with him and has hated peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Psalm 190, no, excuse me, Psalm 90. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return, you children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past. And as a watch in the night, thou carriest them away as with a flood, they are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which grow it up. In the morning it flourishes and grow it up. In the evening it is cut down and withered. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by the wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquity before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all of our days are passed away in the wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years. Yet is their strength labored in sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. We know it the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so it, it is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long, and let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with the mercy. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days of our lives. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let the works appear unto thy servants, and the glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish though thou the work of our hands upon us. Yeah, the works of our hands establish thou it. Psalm 60. O God, thou hast cast us off, thou hast scattered us, thou hast been displeased. O turn thyself to us again. Thou hast made the earth to tremble, thou hast broken it. Heal the broke breaches thereof, for it is shaken. Thou hast shown thy people hard things, thou hast made us to drink the wine of astonishment. Thou hast given us a banner to them that fear thee that it may be displayed because of thy truth, that they 
beloved may be delivered, stayed with thy right hand, and hear me. God has spoken in his holiness, I will rejoice, I will divide Shechem, and meet out the valley of Sukkot. Gilead is mine, and Manesh is mine, Ephraim also is the strength of my hand, my head, Judah is my lawgiver, Moab is my washpot, over Edom I will cast out my shoe, Felicia triumph, thou because of me. Who will bring me into the strong city? Who will lead me into Edom? Will not thou, O God, which hast cast us off? And thou, O God, which didst not go out with our enemies? Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Through God we should do valiantly, for it is he that tread down our enemies. Through God we should do valiantly, for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. Our last psalm is Psalm 30. I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endured but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And in my prosperity I said I should never be moved. Lord, by thy favor, thou hast made my mountains to stand strong. Thou didst hide thy face, and I was troubled. I cried to thee, O Lord, and unto the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood? When I go down to the pit, shall the dust praise thee? Shall they declare thy truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me, Lord. Be thou my helper. Thou hast turned for me my mountain into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing praises to thee and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever.